Hello and welcome to At Home with the Lalas, the podcast where Lara Fraser and myself, Lara Pradelska, check in with people all around the world and find out how they're coping during COVID-19 times. And today is our penultimate episode. And I know it has been a bit of a ride, but it's a special one as not only do we have an incredible guest, but we're talking about a really important issue that has come up in all different types of places during COVID-19 lockdown. And it's about the idea of rock bottom. Absolutely, because this has been a ride the last few months, hasn't yeah. it, love? Yeah, it really has. And I think rock bottom means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. What does it mean to you, would you say? I think I think there are different levels of rock bottom and I because it's a very powerful word and I think it is when you personally think that there's nowhere else to go but upwards, where there's you've had many, many tumbles and you've reached the 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 end of the tumbling down the hill. So it was very, very interesting to chat with Bryony on her very raw and personal journey because it takes a hell of a woman to be able to be that honest about their tumbles. Exactly. And with that, I want to introduce our guest. It's Bryony Gordon. Yes. We have the Bryony Gordon on our show today. And today is the day she is actually releasing her brand new book, which is called... Glorious Rock Bottom. And <laughs> um, we're making it sound funny and light, but it's it's a deep, thoughtful, entertaining, amusing, heartbreaking, wonderful, incredible book. Mm. And it was such an honor to speak to her. Mm. Bryony's written a few books and I've actually read them all. Well, both of us have. She wrote The Wrong Knickers, A Decade of Chaos. She wrote Mad Girl. And she wrote Eat, Drink, Run and How I Got Fit Without Going Too Mad. Mm. And her writing style is incredibly honest. It's all coming from personal experience. And we we briefly speak about her amazing titles, actually. But the, what I really... What really sprang to mind for me with this title, Glorious mm. Rock Bottom, is there is something glorious in knowing that you have nothing else to lose and I that agree. the only way is up. And there's I found something it very hopeful. Yeah, there's something I mean it's it's deeply sad to get to a place like that, but there is something very enlightening in saying and admitting that to yourself. Admitting this is the worst place I've been and you know what? The only way is up. Completely. And I think, Bryony, just like every guest we've had, there is such a beautiful message of hope. Mm. And right now... As, we need some hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. strange times. I I think all over the world, lockdown, laws are changing yeah. by the hour, by the day. And I think if you have a chance, buy this book, read it and mm. just be as inspired as we are. I think also the other thing is, although her journey is about alcoholism and, you know, her her journey with drugs and a lot of different things that happen in city life, mm. but the message is universal. And maybe even if you're not personally struggling with those types of things, I think the message in this book can be taken to so many different other areas of life. Absolutely. We certainly relate to a lot of what she says, I think, yeah. in the interview. But you know what? Without much further ado, let's hear Bryony Gordon. Thank you so much, Bryony, for agreeing to come on at home with the Lalas to our podcast. We genuinely, deeply appreciate it. Oh, well, I'm glad to be at home with you. I wish I was actually at home with you and not, you know, we didn't have to always do these now. 
via the internet. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, first of all, how are you? I'm good. I'm good because I'm talking to you guys. Book is coming out this week. It's fantastic. Are you excited? What's kind of been the biggest things that you've had to get done? Well, my book's coming. So the biggest thing to get done is writing it. So I like I it's 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 a book about it's about my journey getting sober. So it's about the last days of my drinking and the early bits of sobriety. And it's called Glorious Rock Bottom. And it's sort of all about how the darkest moments of your life can actually lead to some of the lightest. And um, so, so writing it was like the biggest thing, really. Um, and now I'm at that stage where there's not really much I can do. Do you know what I mean? It's like people will either read it and like it or they won't. And it doesn't, do you know what I mean? And But I just hope it helps someone, you know, because it's... Um, it's all about alcoholism and it's such a taboo subject still, despite living in a culture where we talk more about mental health and mental illness, there's still a lot of shame attached to alcoholism. And it was a shame that I took on for a very long time and it, it kept me sick for a very long time. And I didn't think I could be an alcoholic because I'm like, I'm not at a park bench. I'm not, I haven't lost everything, you know, but I was losing everything and I was going to if I didn't sort it out. So I'm just really excited that today I'm talking to you and I'm sober and I'm nearly three years sober and I've got a book coming out and like the sun shining, you know. Absolutely. I, first of all, congratulations on, on three years of recovery. That's a huge achievement in my eyes and in many, many people's eyes. I wanted to ask you, somebody that wants to get sober, somebody that is not in recovery just yet, what's, is, there any, is there any tips you have? Um, I would, well, the first thing I want to say is that you're not a bad person. You're an ill person who sometimes because of your illness might experience bad things. Um, and I think that's really important to take the shame out because I remember thinking I was like the only mum in the world who drank to oblivion while in the care of a child, you know, and, um, sorry, there's a massive lorry going down my street no worries Um, and and um and and then I got into recovery and I realized I was one like I was just another mum who you know like it's it's really common alcoholism so for a start what I what I would say is that you know you are not a bad person like and there is and, and and you can you know you can get through it it's not going to be easy but it's not going to be as hard as continuing to drink um and obviously it's you know the i i was very lucky to go to rehab but um we you know there's 12 step programs that are free and available to everyone out there which are amazing and what are what keep me sober basically um so it's it's about keep an open mind and and try and get rid of the shame and be really really honest you know um, and it can be done. And, and and the thing is, is that three years ago, I could not imagine a life without alcohol. Right. And today I cannot imagine a life with it. And that is magic. Like the fact that the fact I used to try and create this magic every time I necked a ball or do you know what I mean? Or picked up a drug or whatever. I was like, I was trying to get that buzz. Do you know what I mean? Like of life and, and stop all the kind of inertia and the, the terrible like depression and all of that I had. And in the end, I was like, wow, I can just do it myself. I can create this magic myself if I work at it. And that's kind of wonderful, I think. What struck me very much about your book was the supportive husband, the supportive partner you have. 
and yeah. how great he was during during the last moments of your of your basically before you went into recovery is that something that you couldn't have done without or would you have done it anyway I mean it's so difficult to say because you're sort of really like what happened is what happened and yeah. you know to think of it in any other way I mean I'm, I think I'm really lucky that I um, a lot of people sober up and discover that they're married to assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was lucky to sober up and realize I was the asshole, not him. <laughs> so, and that he was like, okay, but you're not an asshole anymore. Um, yeah, like he is, I mean, it's funny, like thinking about it, like I always used to think he drank as heavily as I did. And then when I got sober, like the relief on his face, do you know what I mean? And he's one of those people that can literally just have one. Like, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but like, he used to say to me, why don't you just have one? And I'd be like, why do, can I swear? Yeah, of course. Oh, yes. Like, why, I'd be like, why don't you just fuck off? <laughs> like, uh, it's honestly easier for me to have none than it is to have one. Like, I am not interested in it, right? But he does. He's like, oh, no, I've just had a beer. And I'm like, and, and that's enough. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And so we're very different in that way. And it's actually been quite educational and helpful for me to see that, you know, you don't, it's, it's, it's doesn't, it doesn't bother me, if you see what I mean. Like, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, that he's, he's, I watch him and I realize why I can never have a drink because I can't drink responsibly, as they say on the bottles. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So you've got this incredibly supportive husband. Um, within all of your books, you're very honest and you're very raw. I kind of wanted to know, were there moments where you were hesitant in putting some of this information about your very personal life in? Or because you had that support in um, within your family unit, was it like, I'm just going to put it all out there? Well, there's stuff I haven't put in. <laughs> you know, I've chosen, um, I, I, you know, I, I've put, like, it's, I think, I don't really know any other way than to be honest. And he knows exactly those things. And we live in, and, you know, I, I think it's like either we accept that people do behave like this, do you know what I mean? When they're when they're in the grips of alcoholism and addiction, and that um, these things happen, and we accept that, and we allow people to ask for help and get well through accepting it, or we try and ignore it and pretend it doesn't happen, and hundreds of thousands of people have to live in sort of like a, a, you know a world of denial and misery and depression because of it. So I, I don't, you know, I'm not ashamed of, I was ashamed of the way I used to behave and I was ashamed of the things that happened to me to a huge huge extent you know I was almost drowning in shame um but I don't do them anymore and I'm not that person and I've exposed that shame to the light and it's died you know so I I, I don't think he we have done it you know he doesn't see it as a reflection you know this isn't none of this is a reflection of him you know alcoholism is like mighty powerful and anyone listening who's had who's experienced it will know that alcoholics put ever put like alcohol ahead of everything do you know what I mean and it isn't actually any reflection of the person do you know what I mean it wasn't you know it didn't mean I don't I didn't love him and I didn't love my daughter it just is that alcohol had me in its grips and so and I hope that's what that but that's very clear I think in the book when you read it that like it's that kind of like sudden like oh my god I thought the most important thing in my life was my daughter but actually it was alcohol until I got sober 
I love the fact that you talk about shame because for a lot of people in the early stages of recovery or who are still in, in the grips of addiction or alcoholism, shame is something very tough to deal with, as you probably know. What, what, at what point did it switch for you? And at what point did you accept that there is nothing to, that, that you let go of your shame? Well, I knew that if I didn't, I was going to die. You know, like I think my my rock bottom was like I was just hollowed out by self-loathing. I yeah. didn't, you know, I I I um I I just it wasn't you know the the events weren't any worse than stuff that had happened to me before. But I knew that if I didn't, I was going to be like completely drowned in shame. And I and I, you know, it it, it just completely poisoned my life. And you know, and I. I couldn't, I knew that if I didn't try then I wasn't, I, there wasn't any guarantee that I would make it, you know what I mean? Like in, a, in any meaningful way. So, you know, I think shame is, it's like the most toxic of emotions really. I mean, obviously it serves a very basic purpose and, you know, to stop you from doing outrageous things, but like it can, you know, inappropriate shame. And I, 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 um, yeah and i and i just feel for people that might that might be in it right now you know because it's it's horrible and to feel so ashamed of yourself and to feel like you're the worst person in the world and all of that um oh i'm so glad i'm out of it you sound very normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um i wanted to ask obviously your book your book's coming out on wednesday and it's quite a poignant time for this to come out because during lockdown i think people that have addictive personalities whether it be alcohol drug use or whatever it is during lockdown would be a very very difficult period of time to struggle with that you're in the mm -hmm. house have very little to do do you think that um there's there are certain things that people could have done in this time to flip it like you flipped it or it's something that has to have has come kind of naturally oh my god I mean like listen I feel I feel I'm so glad I'm sober like I think if I was drinking during lockdown it, I just don't even want to imagine how I would have how awful it would have been and I but I, that isn't me condemning some anyone who has I I really feel for people trying or wanting to get sober during this time because it's so difficult there isn't the connection there that you need like we always say connection is the opposite of addiction do you know what I mean and like of course there are zoom meetings and all of that but like it none of it makes up for that feeling of being in a room with someone who takes you in their arms and says it's okay it's going to be okay we've all been here and we've got through it and so I I don't you know I, I don't have any like tips but I do know that Ooh. That's my computer. That's okay. That's all right. It's okay. I do know that, like, if you um, if you were rock bottoming right now, um, like, surrender to it and know that the only way from this rock bottom is up, right? Like, yeah, it get any worse for me. And and I, you know, I, I just it doesn't it doesn't matter how bleak or how dark it might it may feel or may seem to be like there is always a there is always light and there is always you know there is a huge community out there of sober very non-judgmental people who have been through it and experienced it and know it and are ready to take you in and love you do you know what I mean love you better 
<laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the title of the book, Glorious Rock Bottom. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's fantastic because I I think one of the things I really I really that really stood out for me also was that you said there are many rock bottoms, right? Mm. There was one when you ordered Coke and or actually no, you didn't. Somebody ordered Coke while your child was at home and you you crossed that line and there were a few lines. But the fact that it's glorious and that you celebrate the fact, yes, I went all the way down and made it all the way up. Who came up with the title? Uh, I'd like to say it was me, but it wasn't. It was my editor, my lovely editor, Sarah, who has been with me since book one. And she comes up with these like incredible titles, like my first book, which was all about like my crazy 20s. Mm. Uh, was that Mad was- Girl? No, that was the wrong knickers. Oh, you know? right, yes. oh gosh, that was a good great one. title. Yeah. Mad, Girl, Mad Girl, my husband came up with. Um, but she was glorious rock bottom she came up with. And I was like, wow, like that's that's it. And I, you know, when I didn't listen, I don't want to like glamorize alcoholism no. or say, yeah, do you know what I mean? What I'm trying to say is that um <laughs> the, the 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 worst times in your life can often lead to the you know, like so much growth happens in the dark. Like that's what you know. Like actually, you're that's when you're that's when you're doing the growth, the the the, the emotional growth, the you know the mental growth. Like you're in the dark, and there's I think there's that amazing, amazing Glennon Doyle I love, and she writes in her book Untamed that when there is um, pain and when there is waiting, there is a rising coming, and 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 I feel that's like so true. It's like you know we nothing lasts forever do you know what I mean and and then sadly that includes being upbeat and all of that you know it's like everything's so transient and you just got to kind of push through it and um yeah so I you know it is undoubtedly was the best thing that happened to me was getting that low that I had to make a decision you know I had to I had to change because if I didn't I was going to lose everything you know that isn't a situation most people will be like yeah bring it on do you know what I mean but if it hadn't have happened I don't know how long I would have lived in this kind of like groundhog day existence of like just drinking and oh no I didn't want to think about it um so yeah, so so that's where the title comes from. Fantastic. I've I had another little question for you. As a terrific journalist that writes for the Telegraph, um, how did you maintain your writing, which takes obviously like a huge amount of consciousness with drinking and staying up at night and drug use and all of that sort of stuff? Was that something that you managed to maintain easily or? No, I mean, I was like, I always say it was like, people used to tell me I had the constitution of an, of an ox, but like, actually I was a duck. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, I looked serene above water and I probably didn't look that serene, let's face it. Uh, and then I was like frantically paddling underneath, you know, and actually that was probably one of the things that led me to get sober because I knew I was, it, I, I was like, I'm going to get found out. I'm going to get found out. Mm. And I'd much rather find myself out than have someone do it for me, you know. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm, I was, it, it, so it, you know, it is, it, I, I, oh, sorry. Um, don't worry. Yes, okay. I don't know why my phone is 
Uh, right, sorry, I've just said. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know how I managed to maintain it, but that is one of the things I wanted to get across is that, you know, alcoholics take on, they look, we all look different and we all have different experiences of alcoholism and we, you know, it isn't, you know, look, sorry. That <laughs> <laughs> it isn't, um, it isn't uh, always, um, sorry, I'm just going to silence my phone. It isn't... Yeah, we're not, you know what I mean? Like, I think we have this very unhelpful, rigid um, stereotype of an alcoholic and it keeps a lot of people in alcoholism because they're like, I can't be an alcoholic. I'm not drinking uh, vodka out of a paper bag on a park bench. Do you know what I mean? And like, it's 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 really unhelpful. I mean, that is one look of, that is one way an alcoholic looks, but it isn't the only way. And so um, that's why I wanted to kind of like, life is... It's not sort of black and white, is it? It's it's a million trillion colours in between, and um, and uh, so I hope that if people can read that, they can, you know, you don't have to lose everything to get well. Absolutely. What I love about your books is that it's just they're they're the lifetimes you're living from your first book to your second to your third, your mental health journey, and also that you're actually actively doing something about it in fact you're running in your underwear <laughs> you can <laughs> and I just want to get into that because I'm a huge fan of yours on Instagram and you really inspired me to go out there and and run and I'm a terrible runner so and I'm not yet running in my underwear but how did that all come about um so um I well I discovered running really it was before I got sober I signed up to do the London marathon and I thinking this will this will help me to cut down my drinking and it didn't I mean I stopped drinking for the duration of the actual marathon but it was the thing that I noticed there was like I, I could see there was a different way to live there was like I could look after myself or I could just carry on destroying myself and so running has really been a real savior for me and then <laughs> I got sober not I started to yeah not not long after my first marathon and then I you know my a friend of mine asked my friend Jada who's a plus size model was like I want to do the marathon with you next year and we you know we were curvier girls and we were just out running one day and we were like um let's let's uh let's do it in our underwear to show that all you know you don't have to look a certain way to be a runner and it kind of was so we did the 2018 marathon in our underwear and then it took off from there really and we've now got like we the, the net last year we had a thousand women running through london in a te- on a 10k in their underwear and it's really just about like it's not about for me exercise isn't about the way it makes me look it's about the way it makes me feel right yeah um so yeah that's one of the things I do but I I I went out for a run this morning and I was wearing more than my underwear um Bryony I just want to talk quickly about my mental health mates because Lara and I made a decision when we started this podcast that we would give any proceedings to whatever charity our lovely guest will choose and I'm thinking mental health mates might be the one you'd like to pick oh yeah I'd love to <laughs> Tell us a little bit about it. Mm. Mental, mental health maintenance is something I um, I set up uh, four and a half years ago. I can't even believe that. So I, um, before I was, I had, you know, I've had really bad obsessive compulsive disorder since childhood and depression and, and which obviously led to the alcoholism and all of that. But I, I 
I really wanted to meet other people like me um, out and about. And I knew, like, I, I didn't know any way of meeting other people that have mental health issues. Like, we hear all this, the time, the statistic, one in four, one in four. Um, and I was like, but why can't I find any of the one in four? So I had this idea of, like, why don't we meet up, go for a walk in the park? And I put it on Twitter. And to my uh, astonishment, 20 people showed up. And now Mental Health Mates is like all over the country, nay, the world. Um, Like we've got 43,000 followers. Amazing. And um, and it's, um, so it's just, so it's not like, I really have very little to do with it now. Like my, um, you know, it's it's the power of the walk leaders. You can go on the website, which is mentalhealthmates.com and you can download a walk pack and you can set up a walk wherever you are and meet like-minded people and you can go and walk and talk without fear of judgment and the power of walking I find is like it, there's something about it like side by side you're not having to kind of it's such a powerful thing like you see people turn up and they're like shivering you know nervous and then by the end of it they've like friendships and they're going for coffees and it's just it's so empowering um so you know check out there's mate there's loads of walks around run by our amazing walk leaders and if you if there isn't one local to you you know why not set one up yourself it's free it's it's about taking some power back over your mental health I love that and I love that these movements can kind of work on their own and that you know can take on a life of their own I think that's a real measure of success um we're gonna have to finish up soon but I wanted to ask you just one more thing before we go obviously with your with your book coming out for those that are thinking about buying it what would you say the message that you were trying to get across for your book was and if we can have any spoilers or anything for for our listeners okay so I guess the message I'm trying to get across is that um you are um not alone and however dark it gets you can pull yourself back up into the lightness um so I mean the spoiler is I get sober (laughs) (laughs) exclusive you heard it here yeah I don't really know you know like who knows what's going to happen next in my life you know that's the beauty so um so yeah it's it's really it's just I just want to help you know like I I try to help make make people feel good about themselves by talking about the things that have made me feel bad about myself um and and that's really um you know the kind of theme of glorious rock bottom as well it's kind of like come let's last question I wanted to know is we're in weird times we're obviously still in somewhat of a lockdown-ish situation What's your hope for the rest of the year? Oh, God. I mean, I don't have any hopes for the rest of the year. (laughs) I've totally written this year off. No, I haven't. I'm just like, I've accepted. And this is is what doing a recovery program helps you. I've accepted that this year is just going to be a bit shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and, um, and so... I'll be happy if I, you know, I went to Cornwall for a couple of weeks, so that was nice. Um, I'll, I'll just be happy if I stay well and the people around me stay well and uh, roll on 2021, I say. Maybe just to be safe, roll on 2022. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Ronnie, thank you so, so much for taking the time out. I know you're super busy and you have so much going on and your book is coming out in just 36 hours. So I want to say a huge thank you for agreeing to come on and speak to us. And anything that we have, we will contribute to your wonderful charity. And we are just very, very grateful that you took the time. Thank, Thank you, Brian. Maybe at home with you. <laughs> We're in our closet. Hopefully, we can meet in real life sometime and go on a walk with you. Oh, that would be lovely. Thank you so much. That was Bryony Gordon with an incredibly raw, beautiful interview. And what a woman! What a woman! What so, What was your kind of takeaways from that? Just so much hope. Yeah. Just so much bravery and non-judgmental. And I think mm. you said that actually, that she's just not judgmental. Yeah, I think what, what sparked me with that was that, you know, she's come across to the other side. She is sober now. And when we were speaking to her, she said, even though I am in this good place, I won't ever judge anyone no matter where they are in their journey. And that's a really hard thing to do. Agreed. It's very easy to judge. I think, I don't know. Do you judge when you drink or no, you don't drink? It? Uh, yeah, I, I really do. I think that if I'm at a dinner table and I normally partake in having a glass of wine, but if I don't, I think I am holier than thou. I'm like, oh, look at all these people drinking. So, I mean, on a really real level, I think yeah. it is actually in its truest form very hard not to judge. Yeah. And it's very, very hard to get sober. And yeah. that is that is the truth. Yeah. And a lot of people do struggle with it. And especially lockdown hasn't been easy. And it was just awesome that she mm. came on today. I really felt, even though obviously we didn't see her and this was a Zoom interview, yeah. I did feel like she was in the room with us. She was she's just so personable. A, yeah. yeah, she's got a really great friendly presence. And I think her outreach for others can also be seen through her amazing mental health mates and I, I, don't, I don't want to say it's an app but it's it's an online community it's an online community yeah. of people meeting up and going for walks and it's called my mental health mates and actually first of all I really want to go on it I think the idea of because you love walking don't you you walk I, every day right I do I think there's a, there's two elements of this that I think is really quite special one walking does clear your head so the yeah. physical act of getting out of the house and if you are especially suffering with any type of mental health that's that's going to be therapeutic but also to have someone talk while doing an action that makes either one of the two seem not such a big thing it's not mm. such a big thing getting a house the house to walk when you have someone else to help you yeah. and it's not such a big thing to talk when you're walking while you're doing it and taking your mind off it i completely so I agree i yeah. totally agree so guys today is the big day go buy and get your book glorious rock bottom and if you like what you heard today please subscribe rate and comment below and we will be with you shortly very shortly <laughs>